don't know if Jesus literally rose. I don't know, but I do love you. Like, like, I don't know if honestly he was just a magician and people were really impressed. A lot of what he does sounds like stuff that Chris Angel did when I saw him in Vegas. Lady, how many weeks pregnant are you today? 33 weeks. 33 weeks, which is 49 days away from your due date. I know. You know that because you saw my baby list email update this morning. I get I get the updates, too. You do? On my email. You do? Yeah. How? I don't know. I never gave them your email. Oh, I did. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I did. I don't know. All of a sudden, I started getting them. Also, why wouldn't... <laughs> the way that you were like... No, like why do you know that? Like, that's private information. I'm like, no, it's our information. <laughs> yes, I agree. But I do remember now they said, like, put your partner's info if you want. And I was like, okay, sure. Yeah. So I put yours on there. I went from like, I don't know when you did that, but I didn't get them all the time. No, I only started getting them recently because I wanted gotcha. the list. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. I appreciate it. Good. How does it feel? 49 days away. Oh, I don't even like to say that because okay. I just feel I feel so not ready. And I feel like that's kind of what this episode is going to be about a little bit. Mm-hmm. We ha- Oh, yeah. We also forgot to do an intro. Oh, OK. Jump in. <laughs> you got it. All right. Keep going. You are um, on fire. So we talked about doing an episode. Kind. Of, we had a conversation yesterday and we talked about doing an episode about an update, I guess, on where we're thinking these days in terms of raising a child with or without religious influence, I guess, or like how to present those ideas Mm -hmm. to them. And I like that we're talking about this on the episode, but the truth is I still don't know. Just like I don't know what we're naming the baby. Just like I don't know if the baby's a boy or a girl. Just like I don't know how the nursery is going to come together when it's the biggest wreck in the world and you can barely even step into the room because there's just stuff everywhere and just like i just do not know so many things we were at a halloween party last night a guy that i met asked me well so i went as midge if you haven't seen my story um i went as midge from the barbie movie she's the pregnant barbie and she has a pretty small role in the movie but i feel very like funny it's, comic yeah, relief it's memorable memorable role because she's kind of like a creepy, I don't know if creepy is the right word, but people were a little weirded out by this Barbie because she had a removable stomach. Mm-hmm. One evening in Barbie's dream house, surprise, it's Midge, Mattel's marvelous new teenage doll. Midge is Barbie's best friend and as thrilled as Barbie's career as a teenage model. She loves trying on Barbie's exciting new fashions. For you see, Midge and Barbie are the same size. So all of Barbie's beautifully tailored clothes fit both of them. Barbie has introduced Midge to her boyfriend, Ken. And the three of them go everywhere together. They sunbathe at the beach and play tennis at school. Midge is even in some of Barbie's classes. And one night, Midge is the guest of honor at a masked ball given by Barbie and Ken. You Barbie fans will adore Midge, and you'll love mixing and matching costumes to create your own fashion ideas. Get Mattel's new Midge and the genuine Barbie and Ken dolls wherever toys are sold. You can tell they're Mattel. They're swell. It was a real doll. Midge was a real doll that they address in the movie. Yes. And then Grace went as Alan, who was also a real doll, who was Ken's friend, Alan. And if you've seen the movie, I feel like you know both those characters. Alan has a striped shirt. He has a bit of a bigger role in the movie. And then Midge is in the movie a couple times, but she has like kind of this long purple dress and red hair. 
So I wore a wig. We went as Midge and Alan. And last night, this guy at the party was like, oh, he didn't know if the bump was real or not. And I was like, yes, it's, it's real. <laughs> and then he was like, oh, how many months? Like, I haven't met that many people who are pregnant. Like, how many months along are you? And I said eight months. And he was like, oh, are you ready? And I was like, no, I'm really not. And he was like, ha ha ha. And I was like, no, really? He's like, seriously? I'm like, yeah, I, I really don't feel ready at mm-hmm. all. I have so much to do. It's kind of crazy. That reminds me, we need to find a pediatrician. Yeah. But I think I know who we should use. Okay. And we need to schedule a meet and greet with her mm-hmm. before the baby's born. Okay. And in my last OB appointment, which you couldn't go to because you're on tour, we also need to go schedule a tour of the birthing center. Great. So there's just literally like every minute I I have a note I have a note app on my phone that is just in all caps at the title, the top things on my mind. And then it's just stream of consciousness of like meet the pediatrician, go to the birthing center, order these things that I need to get. Oh, it's, oh my gosh, my brain is like soup. But that reminds me Hmm. of what we were going to do just a few minutes ago, which was to introduce the podcast. Should we? This is Under Our Roof. Thank you for listening. We are a cozy queer podcast hosted by Grace or Semler, depending on how you know me and Lizzie. And we're obviously having a baby. Um, And so if you're just jumping in, we've been trying to get better at introducing the podcast to new listeners. We also are in a really exciting time of growth for our family. So there's a lot up in the air that we are working towards and we are bringing you our dear house guest at home along for the journey, which we are discovering is really a moving target. Mm -hmm. You never arrive, but then you have moments of arrival for example when our bar stool chairs came in yeah we've been getting we also moved two months ago and we've been doing a lot moving, of moving having a baby we went on tour or i went on tour lizzie's mom came to visit we um, traveled a ton this year too which i'm really happy we did really happy we did but then there are moments where you realize for example the bar stool chairs that arrived that we'd been wanting to have for a while so we could sit at the counter while Lizzie's cooking or having our breakfast there this morning, just feeling really happy and confident that things will come together because the bar stool chairs arrived. This sounds, it, this might sound very odd <laughs> to a person who isn't in our, in our life, but it, it makes a lot of sense to me of like, I know that the nursery will get done because the bar stool chairs arrived. I see what you mean because so when we, we did not have a, bar like a counter you know like a kitchen island that has an overhang and you can put a bar stool actually i learned from buying these that they're technically counter stools Uh, and i prefer that yeah than bar stools bar stools are like higher i realized i'm glad i didn't buy bar stools i bought counters i took measurements and then i was like oh i need a counter stool but anyway um we did not have that type of setup at our old house we didn't have a, a counter where you could have a chair there and so we needed to get some, and we've been living in this house for two months with no stools there. And just kind of felt like this empty space. Yeah. And now they're here. So I'm like, okay, the house is coming together. I actually feel like our living and kitchen space, which is kind of all one room, is so close. It's pretty, yeah, it's pretty close to being ready. And then we have a few things happening this week. Mm hmm. It's get. very close. Yeah. The biggest thing is we have some light construction type work. Mm-hmm. Construction isn't quite the right word, but we have some like minor, minor remodeling type mm-hmm. of work that we're doing in the in the nursery. 
And that has kind of been a sticking point just because it's hard to find the right person to do the work. And until we get the work done, though, we can't start making the nursery. So like, we have a rug for the nursery that's rolled up in our hallway because I don't want to put it in there when we're going to have construction work being done. We'd have to just take it up. Mm-hmm. We got our glider delivered, which I am sure I'm going to be spending many, many, many hours feeding the baby in. But it's in our bedroom now because I don't want to put it in the nursery. But then the nursery is filled with like a stroller and just boxes of things. Like I've gotten a bunch of hand-me-downs, which has been amazing. And I'm looking forward to being able to pass along the favor to another new parent, but it's just so much stuff Mm -hmm. that is not organized. And there's still boxes from our move of things that aren't organized, especially because I can't really fit into like any of my old clothing. Like sometimes I can wear a t-shirt, but I'm at the point now, I mean, like my body is unrecognizable to me from how I was before, which is good. Like it's making, I mean, a full baby is going to come out of me. So obviously that it's going to change your body a lot. But because of that, I've been like so unmotivated to unpack all of my clothes that don't fit me. And I literally have like 10 items of clothing that I wear because that's mm-hmm. all that I, I can fit into. And so all these other bags and boxes of clothing, I'm like, ugh, when am I going to put that away? I can't even wear any of that stuff now, but I need to because it's all sitting in the nursery. Many tasks are at hand. But we'll keep you posted on how those tasks go. Today, we will be discussing something that's more distant in the future, still a moving target, still involved with our family planning and growth. But I don't kind of like more amorphous. Is that the right word? Like it's not a tangible thing. It's not like putting up beadboard in the nursery. It's like introducing God. (laughs) That's a different type of thing. But really quick, I also just want to say thank you to everyone who came to see us on tour. I I say us and not me just because it is a touring band. And I just really want to honor the work of everyone in our touring company that made it possible, including you. If you came to the shows, the energy was amazing. I'm so, so thankful. This is probably the last full band tour for a good while because I'm going to be taking effectively a maternity leave. And I'll post this elsewhere as well in time. But you should be the first to know that I'm also um, writing an album that I hope to be releasing in the new year as well. And I'm really excited to have sort of sent off this era of music with you live and on the road. Thank you so much for that. Now let's talk about why I feel weird and have been thinking about introducing religion to babies. Sick sense of being kind If you talk to kids about the day they die And the loved ones that they'll leave behind If they don't believe, then they never die The truth is that I am a fool Cause I drank the juice And I like to do That God could be in me and you And there's something else when the walk is through So I'm still After tour, I went home to my parents' place in Kentucky to help sort through some things in the attic. You know, parents accumulate things over time. My mom is very organized. My parents are definitely not hoarders, but my mom has kept detailed boxes of things of mine from my childhood. And I found a bunch of journals and diaries, 
prayer journals, I don't know, just writings of mine, some of which I'm really going to keep because it's kind of interesting to see my brain develop and little song lyrics from that time. But a lot of it was either writing Christian song lyrics or prayers as like an eight-year-old, like between little baby ages, like Mm -hmm. all of this is under 10 years old. And the prayers I thought were so like sad and disturbing, even though when I talked about it with my mom, she was like, well, Gracie, you were just parroting what you were hearing, which I agree. I don't think I fully understood these concepts. But I also think it was weird to see words like, help me to sin no more from someone under the age of 10. Like what, what sin can you do when you're under that age? Yeah, but I truly believed that like so many things about me were really evil. Really evil? I mean, evil might be strong, but I Definitely, I believe that just sort of like the natural inclinations to, you know, be jealous of a kid who has like a toy that you want mm-hmm. or I don't know, to to not do exactly what your parents say immediately when they say it, that all of those things reflected like kind of a black heart. Really? Yeah. Do you recall how that was introduced? Was any of it reinforced from Sunday schools and stuff? Yeah, I feel like it all was. Definitely. Because my parents, I don't know. It's like, I don't remember my parents really being like fire and brimstone sort of Christian. Mm -hmm. Like they definitely were and are Christian and definitely instilled things about Christianity and talked about them. And we Mm -hmm. had prayers and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But Certain more cultural ideas and interpretations of things definitely came from church and like youth group. Youth group is the biggest culprit in my mind Mm. because Sunday school was sort of more basic algebra. Yeah. Like, here are the players. Yes, exactly. Here's the game. And Sunday school was very much like, we're not going to get into the heavy stuff because it's Sunday. It's Sunday morning. We're all here in our little nice dresses because everyone dressed up. And then after Sunday school, you would go or sometimes we went to church before Sunday school, sometimes after because there was two services and Sunday school was in the middle. Mm -hmm. We'd actually usually go to the early church, which was at 840 a.m. on Sundays. And my parents always wanted to go to early church. Why did they want to go to early church? I don't know. Because it was less crowded and they like to get the best seat. Was it still a pretty full house though? Mm, I would say it was like half full. Okay. Because that your church, your home church is really big. Yeah. So it's was the ten was it like a ten thirty service? After it was that? like an eleven o'clock service, and that so, would be full. Yeah, there was like an eight forty service that went till like nine forty five, and then there was Sunday school from like ten to eleven, mm-hmm. and then there was church from eleven to twelve, like regular service. Mm-hmm. And so I think my parents just like to kind of be done and then like go do the rest of their Sunday. We didn't like have the Sabbath day. Like I know some Christians have kind of like reclaimed the Sabbath and stuff. Do you know what I'm talking about? Not really. Yeah, that's a whole other conversation. But just like evangelical Christians that take on like Jewish traditions and they're like, well, that's for us too, because Jesus was Jewish. So we're also going to do, we're also going to like celebrate Rosh Hashanah and stuff. I haven't heard about that at all. Oh, you should look into it. That's a big thing. Okay. Yeah, a lot of people in Raleigh were like that. Really? Mm-hmm. Even for you growing up? Not so much growing up. I started to notice it more when I was a little older. Wow. Something that you mentioned when I talked to you about, hey, I found these journals and it just reinforced to me that I want to be so mindful and cautious, probably overly so, about any introduction of faith to our child was that you mentioned like how when people say, oh, you should shake it off. 
you know, oh, you you got this lesson and it was clearly – because you can see in my writings, it's things like help me not to make a mistake. I say – I sign it in one prayer. I say, I am your servant or something like that, which is, again, I know I'm a kid and I'm parroting language that I'm hearing, but it still is very weird to read. When I express this to you, you were saying to me, when people say, wow, when I said this Mm -hmm. to you, then you said to me about what people (laughs) say – just that often it's expressed that people who've deconstructed need to shake it off and that maybe you heard, you know, one or two bad lessons in Sunday school or youth group and you shouldn't throw out the whole the whole bunch. The whole bunch with it. And I think that that kind of shortcuts what people are trying to process. Yes. I totally agree. I mean, I guess I was the one that said that. Yeah, but I want you to say it. Okay. Cuz yeah. it was very revelatory for what- me. I have thought about is that often, I mean, you see the like bad apples sort of argument in many different contexts where people will say like, hey, this system is bad. And whoever is wanting to the system to continue will say, well, you just experienced some bad apples, but the whole basket of apples isn't rotten, even Mm -hmm. though it very well might be. Or the only way to get all of the bad ones out is to uproot the whole basket, dump out (laughs) the whole basket and start over. Anyway, I don't want to get too lost in that metaphor. But Basically, I've heard people a lot of times with, um, I don't even like sometimes saying deconstruction because I feel like it invokes this whole like certain culture that I don't even really align with necessarily, but let's just use that term very loosely. People that are deconstructing from their religion, the people that are like sort of criticizing that movement will say, you know, okay, fine, maybe you got a teaching from your home church that was harmful, but you can't discard all of religion because of that and basically like you need to just get over that and and set aside you know the people that instilled like really toxic purity culture or the people who told you something that now those same leaders are like oh well that's actually not biblical and like we shouldn't have told you that and they act like what i said to you yesterday is like they act like it's akin to something like a casual playground bully said to you Mm -hmm. that you just can't get over. And I don't mean to diminish bullying, but what I was trying to say is there's a difference between like something that a kid told you on a playground that you like 20 years later, like are still clinging to. And there's a difference between that and something that like your ultimate spiritual authority is telling you. And that makes such a huge impression on a young mind. And that is very hard to just move past or to set it aside and keep the rest because Mm -hmm. it's all entwined. For me growing up, it was definitely instilled that like church is the ultimate piece of your life. So like school is obviously important. My parents wanted us to do well in school, but church is like kind of more the real core of what you should be focusing on. And, you know, my parents wouldn't say like, you know, you should be more excited to go to church than to go to a friend's birthday party. Like they would know that, you know, for a kid, like you're going to be more excited to go run and play outside or go to a birthday party than to go to church. But it was still the amount of reverence that we needed to have. And like the importance of never, ever, ever missing church was very much like this is the most important piece of your life. I know it might not not be the most fun part of your life. That was like, okay to acknowledge, Mm. but it is the most important part of your life. So then when you're hearing things in what's being told again and again and again, this is the most important place. This is where like all of your wisdom and worth and everything needs to come from. And then you're being told things like, you know, you naturally are like 
pretty evil and like you need to be saved. And I don't really want to get into a theological debate and I'm in no position to do it. But things that I think, depending on how they were conveyed, can really like make a bad impression on a young mind and like set them up for something that I don't think is really like based in love, I think is is just so deep that it is not like a passing remark that someone made that you just need to get over. Yeah, like that's going to take root. And Mm -hmm. obviously, you and I and many other people who might be listening are evidence of that. The other thing I was thinking about was reading through my journals. And again, not to get into a theological debate, I don't I'm so not interested in doing that. But what I was very aware of is that these very lofty, serious concepts like resurrection, salvation, that I still am reckoning with today as a 32-year-old, that theologians are writing books on. Why was I at seven Mm -hmm. (laughs) trying to parse this out? I think that when I was looking at the things I was writing down, and also I'm so fortunate that I can talk about all of this and really laugh about a lot of it with my parents, because I don't, I really don't think that there was any malice from them at all. I think there was a great deal of love. And I think that they they really felt as though that this was a loving way of raising a child. And I think that every generation sort of tries to fine tune how we were raised Mm -hmm. and we're going to do things imperfectly and splice will fine tune that in their own time as well. We're going to do our very best and we're going to be informed, but of course we will come up short. And so I'm very thankful that I was able to talk about this as I found the writings with my parents and just to really solidify, I don't know what we're going to do, but there are a few things that I could crystallize, which is this. I'm so thankful that I was introduced to the concept of God in my life. That has been a very grounding thing. God as a loving deity, and I, and it's unrecognizable to how I was raised, but just like that a loving creator and something beyond and something greater than us that ties us all together was always something that like was very compelling to me and very fascinating and very comforting just to feel like I was known in the universe, even if I was a small little kid by the creek. Tying that then to very heavy concepts of like, and yeah, and his son died in a really bloody way for your sins, I think was uh, a hard thing for me to metabolize um, as like a yeah as I mean, a child for anyone even like just the idea that you're presented with of like yes yeah, like you get the context that Jesus was like two thousand years ago I feel like yeah, that's it's old like, a long time ago yeah, yeah like that's upfront like I never I don't remember ever thinking that Jesus like had recently been alive like I think it was yeah but very I, I remember just being like I hope he comes back soon just like oh, I can't <laughs> wait like I do remember that I never my church never really focused so much on the coming back piece so I didn't really get that part so much but anyway I just feel like even the concept of like wait how like I didn't do anything wrong yet like how why did he have to die for but then it's like you I feel like they gave examples of things that are sin and you're like well yeah I've definitely done all those things like not saying yes to your parents like you know what Mm. I mean like that was a big thing because my parents were really strict so I always was just kind of like trying to skirt the line like 
you know, things like I wasn't allowed to wear flip-flops because the noise of the flip-flopping was disrespectful. <laughs> and the just things like that. Like, my parents were super strict. Like, every piece of media was scrutinized that we would have access to. And, like, so, of course, I'm going to try to – I wasn't, like, crazy by any means, but – of course, I'm going to try to push the boundary. And mm-hmm. then thinking that like every time you do that is this like sin that like the most perfect human to ever live had to die <laughs> because of how bad it is. Like it is psychologically damaging. Because of your like Backstreet Boy CD or yes. something. Oh my gosh, that was a whole thing. But anyway, I think that what I was able to, what where I guess where I'm thinking right now and I I don't know if we will ever land somewhere is that I I feel very resolute in that should we introduce God because the thing is is that like God is I don't know you do have to sort of introduce it you know and that's the other thing that I'm I have complicated feelings about but I I do feel like I do believe that God is love and I think leaning into that ethic that love is the most powerful force I in the whole world and that we are all connected through it and that there is love in, in each person and to do your best to, to try and, and find it, to try and love people, love yourself and take care of yourself. That's so important. That is an ethic that I really can stand by. And I remember learning that and finding a great deal of inspiration and comfort in it. But I think that if there's a way to extricate it from the the the, the teachings of brokenness, because I don't think that you understand that as a kid, you know, and I think it does introduce shame. So I guess the question that I have is like, is it possible to introduce God in a way that is not inherently brainwashing? And is it, imp- is it possible to introduce morality without shame? good questions yeah. i don't know i know i don't know i don't know either but just that like that th- th- that we all are going to make mistakes and there are little things that you need to learn i mean for i just remember being in the store and uh they would have the candy containers mm-hmm. and i would want to just reach in and just take some of the candy and i had to be taught that like that would be stealing yeah now, you don't know that it's like they're not in a bag it's free for all. It looks like it literally looks like to, to my childlike brain that kind of looks like a free sample container. Sure, and because it's just the candy is in there. Yeah, and you've probably gone to places that have some form of like an open container mm-hmm. of something that is available for free, like whether it's just like a candy dish with little wrapped candies on it or something. Like, yeah, yeah, people give out free things, yeah. and so concepts like that for a kid. I just remember putting my hand in there. And my mom being like, whoa, like, no, you yeah. that's stealing. And is there a way of doing that and introducing those sort of lessons? Because then I I hear stealing. I'm like, that's one of the things we're not supposed to do. That's a Ten Commandment. Mm-hmm. Thou shall not steal. Oh, my God, I stole. Yeah. Oh, please let me not make a mistake. I am your servant, oh, Lord. <laughs> you know, crazy. Like, how yeah. are we able to, to say, hey, Splice, yeah, you can't touch that candy. There's nothing wrong that you thought you could. Yeah. It's okay that you under that you thought you could. I totally see why you would think that. But you can't, but you're not going to hell. Like don't, you know, you don't not you don't need to write about this. There was just a lot of stuff that I like wrote about. Yeah. That I was like, "Oh, my poor little brain I was know. really processing a lot." And is there a way to introduce such incredible love, which to me um I I just feel so 
like strongly about like just loving and caring for people and having this like sense of resilience and hope in humanity, I think is so important. Is there a way of doing that that is not tied to so much of the toxic religion? And is it through introducing like a pluralism of faith expressions of like people believe all sorts of things? Is it waiting until the kid naturally would ask a question of, I have a friend who sort of said that their kid just waited or they, they didn't really talk about anything until their kid was like, what happens when we die? Mm-hmm. So then the kid kind of understood certain things and maybe that's it. I don't know. I know. I think I need to read. I think I need to make this a priority while the baby is like a newborn and mm-hmm. isn't like, I mean, it's good to start telling your baby stuff um, when they are a newborn for mm-hmm. sure. Like, you talk to them. You I do plan on talking to Splice. Yeah, yeah, you tell them things. But it's like, I'm not going to talk until you can talk. <laughs> We're <laughs> we'll going to have a silent talk. household. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I I don't know. But I think while I have, I feel like I have a little bit of time where mm-hmm. the baby is not going to be like totally processing. Yeah, the baby's things. not going to come out and be like, what was original sin? Yeah. was <laughs> original sin. <laughs> so I, I need to like. I need to get my mind around all these things a yeah. little more. And I think also as a as Splice gets older, which we're speaking way, way into the future at this point, we'll likely come across my work or come to a mm-hmm. show. Yeah. And I think that's going to be hilarious for them. I mean, like youth group lock-ins, what the heck? Mm-hmm. Even when I've explained it to friends of mine who weren't raised Christian, they're like, that sounds like, how is that... Um, something that parents consented to. I was like, parents celebrated it. Parents it was loved their, it. It was their date night. Yeah. <laughs> they loved it. I thought about this last night at the Halloween party. There was a Halloween goer that came to us kind of out of nowhere, but a really kind soul mm-hmm. and gave us each a card or what was it? An Oracle card. An Oracle card said to put our hand down on the deck, think of something that we wanted clarity on, and then to dr- draw one of the cards. And the car- the thing that was on my heart was wanting to be a good parent, wanting to be the best parent I can be, hoping for clarity on on how to do that. And the card that I pulled said, get the fuck out of your head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I realized that this episode is actually an exercise and maybe not doing that. I think I'm very in my head. But Splice, if you happen to be hearing this one day, we just want you to feel so loved. We just, I just really want to make sure that a kid knows that they are loved unconditionally, that there's no sin or brokenness or mistake <laughs> that would occur that would ever prevent them from experiencing our love and the love of so many people, which is the most important thing in the world. It is love. Do I sound so hippy dippy right now? No, I love it. Okay. But it makes me think of um, the end of A Wrinkle in Time. (laughs) Where they're like, love is the frequency. Yeah. You know what? I bet if I watched A Wrinkle in Time now, because I thought that ending was really trash yeah. i thought the end i couldn't believe how bad it was and i was high so <laughs> i was the target audience to love that ending i should have loved it but i thought it was so lame and silly i bet if i watched it now i would cry i would be like they're so right love is the most important. we just gotta love each other we'll figure it out i don't know if jesus literally rose i don't know but i do love you like, <laughs> 
like, I don't know if honestly he was just a magician and people were really impressed. A lot of what he does sounds like stuff that Chris Angel did when I saw him in Vegas. But, but all I know is that we love you. I have thought about that. You know, the whole water into wine. That's really just a magic trick. What if he was a great magician, a very loving and kind, compassionate magician? That's the question. A magician that was also enlightened by his magic, like sleight of hand magic. What if Lazarus was in on it? I don't know. These are the things that Sounds like... Sounds like a good subject for a song. What if Lazarus knew? He was like... Well, not just con. that, but this whole topic. If What if Jesus was a magician? Yeah. Would it change how people felt? Mm-hmm. Oh, shoot, I just know I'm going to write that today. Yeah, great. I mean, I do need to write more songs than I need for the album, so... Exactly, you'll pare some down, so... Yeah. Yeah, well, maybe we should wrap up and give you time to work on that. I suppose we should. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of our musings on parenthood and the Lord. Question mark? We hope you're doing well. We hope that you had a wonderful Halloween. It's coming up. So I, you probably celebrated last weekend. But if you're celebrating this coming week, I hope you have a wonderful Halloween. Be safe. Be safe. Um, watch out for razor blades in your candy. <laughs> I think that's a hoax. Definitely. That's definitely a hoax. And we'll see you next week for a brand new episode of the show that we call Under, Under Our Roof. Baby, I-